Welcome to Talking Giants. My name is Justin. With me is Bobby and also special guest Nikki Snacks. We're doing a little bit of a Bleeding Blue Giants history crossover. It's our vacation week. We're recording a little bit early. Giants history, Bleeding Blue, Talking Giants, little crossover. Bobby Skinner, how are you doing today? I'm good. That's great to hear. I love to hear it. Nikki Snacks, you're one of my best friends in the entire world. Bobby is okay, but you're one of my best friends in the entire world. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Talking Giants, you're once a year. You get to come on here. This is it. You're done after this. This is it. Uh, so you didn't ask me how I was doing, but I'm doing great. And yes, best friends, one of mine, easily. You're a great man. And I will say since, actually, I probably say it on, on Bleeding Blue before this maybe comes out, but I want to congratulate you on a very well-deserved um, full-time position with John Boy. You worked your ass off, and I'm very proud of you. Very, very proud you of you. You got more love than I did when I went full-time. <laughs> well. Like three times as much. Well, the meme the meme I posted, I think, helped. The meme definitely helped because that was some that I was posted some a Trailer salt. Park Boys Ricky saying, flow me the money. Flow me the money. Yeah, it's a good, it's, it's a good one, but I feel like tra- uh, Trailer Park Boys isn't, you know, so universally loved by everybody. However, um, the MJ, I took that personally meme is, come on. I thought that was pretty good. I can't lie, and you know, but Justin, Bobby, you know I would rather side with Bobby than Justin just based on... True, Snacks know, hates me. That's not true. I am incredibly proud of you. It's well-deserved. You worked your ass off, and it's great to see, and um, I'm always appreciative of you bringing me on to Bleeding Blue, so... Uh, you didn't ask me how it was, but I'm doing great, and I hope you guys are doing great too. I hope that my one episode a year turns out well. So happy fourth! Hope everybody had a good holiday. Mm. 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 So what we're doing today? Uh, talk about bleeding blue crossover. We're gonna do. We're gonna talk some maybe some patriotic, like you know, reflect on 9/11, and you know, hey, here, here, here's my one military fact. Did you know that Phil McConkey served five years in the Navy? before being uh, drafted by the New York Football Giants. He was 27 years old. Um, he went to Navy. Um, you're waving that towel. So, talk snacks. You're waving the towel. Half yeah, of Phil our, our, our retired numbers are, are um, vets. Yeah. yeah but that was like my one big fun fact. There was also another offensive tackle who played for the Giants in like the 50s who was really into sketching. He was like a... He was big, big. He liked to sketch some some sports moments, and that's also another fun fact for well, you. Well, who was so, it? I think his last name is Brown. You can't say it's a fun <laughs> fact and not know the guy's name. <laughs> all right, fine. I can I can I can pull it up right now. That's all right. It's right. so it's a good little fun fact. I did not know about McConkie, so that's pretty cool. His name not not a. It was not Brown. It was Dewitt Tex Coulter. He was a center slash offensive tackle from Army. And he was a really, uh, he was really, really big in the sports paintings. His art had almost a photographer realism, and it was in high demand per a 1960 issue of Sports Illustrated. He played for the Giants from 1946 to 1949, then 1951 to 1952, and he went to Army. So there you go. Those are some Giants that served in the military. Go Phil McConkey. Shout out. Very cool. Very cool. He was tough. Good receiver. And also, then we'll end the episode. Snacks and Bobby will probably fight about the 2021 Giants because that's what oh. happened last year, and that's honestly what I'm looking forward Listen, to. Listen, I, I got to say, last year at the end of that, I thought that turned great. That was back and forth. before we did this, but it's okay. Bobby's a big fan of like re-listening stuff. I, I can't do it. I, I can't re, re-listen to stuff that's like a, a couple months or like a year separate. Bobby's really big into like reliving that stuff. I get very self-conscious about like, oh, I was I was bad. It's like I feel like I've grown since then. I'm a big fan of re-listening to the episode after it came out cuz I like to hear See, I don't. I like to hear the audio and if if I did if I did things correctly, if I made sure that I edited correctly, if I should have edited out an um or something like that, um like I should do right there. So that's what I like to do. But Bobby's a big fan of like re reliving and reminiscing, which I can't do. Well, it got a little, it got a little heated last year, but I thought it was good. I thought there was a lot of uh, a lot of good points made on both ends. A lot of I'm gonna re-listen tomorrow. A lot of differing points. Is that a word, Justin? Differing. 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 Yeah. Differing. Good job. Differing. I had a long day today. All right, not a lot of sleep. So, um, all right, let's bleed some damn blue. Hair looks great though, snacks. This is a, this Thank is you. a tradition on bleeding blue. Thank we you. talk about snacks hair, how it looks great every week. So snacks, I'm gonna throw it to you first. So what we got? we've had. Like 25 videos slash episodes this off season. Bleeding Blue. It's only an off season show. It's a Giants history show. We are we have our own podcast. 
Um, it's actually a pod, the podcast that I used to do before I joined Talking Giants that was the Everyday Giants. I I had that kind of platform of over 105 star ratings, and I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want this just to go to waste. And the Twitter account had a little bit of a following to it. I said, I don't want to just delete this. So how can I like rebrand it? So I re- we we rebranded it into a Giants History podcast. So snacks. This is like our first offseason where we're really going and going on YouTube, and it's been a lot of fun. What have been like some things that, you know, maybe some big picture things that we've learned about, you know, Giants uh, organization, the game of football, whatever, 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 because we've talked about a lot of stuff within a lot of time periods and stuff. We have, and I got to say, the fact that 25 episodes, maybe more, I think we did a pretty good job, and we still have, we still have a month left to go. But so far, I think it's been great, and you've done a masterful job of rebranding your baby, your Bleeding Blue, and uh, it's definitely worked. But over the course of this time, we have definitely learned a lot. Like, um, I've said it before, kind of, I guess, the coaching styles of past head coaches and how they differentiate. Am I just going to keep using this word? Um, It's a good word. It's it's, it's a powerful word, but I'm not a very... intelligent person so i try not to use big words like that but the coaching styles that differentiate from like a ray perkins to a parcells to a dan reeves to a tom coughlin to a pat Shermer to a ben mcadoo and how they're all different a lot of times franchises kind of stick with one mold and you know they go with that so they went from parcells to who was it hanley Hanley, who does not exist in my brain, he does not exist. Right, exactly, because he was he was soft. He was there was nothing good about him. And then you went to a Dan Reeves, Dan Reeves, who was you know more of tough, tough, tough like that. And then you went to a Jim Fossil, who was a players' coach, and you know he was never gonna attack his players or discipline his players like that. And then you went to Tom Coughlin, who we like to call a general, General Coughlin, and. It's just it's such a very funny dynamic how it went boom, 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 all different. Um, obviously, you know, when, when you're failing, you fire your head coach and you maybe try and bring in a different style. And that's exactly what they did. Um, so I, I loved learning more about the intricacies of, of the head coaches and what they brought to the table, their beliefs, their attitude, their coaching style. I thought that was very cool because, I mean – in our lifetime, I, I, I guess Bobby, old year older than me, Fossil, Coughlin, McAdoo, Shermer, and now Judge. Those those are the coaches, and then there was a few guys before that. So we didn't really know about you know pre Fossil, pre Coughlin, and getting getting the chance to learn more about the way they coached and hearing stories about them from the books we read was uh, was probably my favorite little little thing about it because me we could go off on Giants history forever talk about games and stats and and plays and and all these things but getting you know getting to know the head coaches behind the scenes and the way they were on the practice field and with the media and everything like that was was always very cool to me yeah and how a franchise or what kind of coach a franchise hires kind of dictates where that franchise is currently at. It's like, oh, are we going to be a little bit more loose with Jim Fossil? Or are we going to be ultra-disciplinarian? Or are we going to be ultra-tough-as-nails um, like we were with Dan Reeves? And obviously Parcells was, obviously, I would say more or less a, a, a disciplinarian, but I would still say kind of similar to you know, maybe Coughlin, maybe even a little bit of Judge, too. Like, I think this person is also a human, and he, and he, and he understands people, and he's kind of like a people person, which Coughlin was towards, obviously, the yes. the latter end of his time with the Giants, too. Um, one of the things that I'm take, I take away, you know, we've watched a decent amount of games, especially towards the earlier part of the offseason, um, in, in, from the 80s. Like, we watched Super Bowl twenty one, we watched Super Bowl twenty five, we watched the NFC Conference uh, Championships, you know, some of the games that we had you know, against 49ers and stuff like that. And the game has changed. Now, obviously, I mean, no, you know, no shit, Sherlock. The, you know, the, the game has changed. You know, there were uh, 30 players that had at least 10 sacks in, you know, 1985 versus, you know, in today and tw- at the end of the 2020 season, there were 10 players that had at least 10 sacks. You know, so that just tells you the dichotomy that was present between the two time eras of, you know, 80s Giants of when, you know, Giants football was at its best. And then where football it is right now, where it's very much, you know, get the ball, you know, get the ball in the quarterback's hands, get the ball out of the quarterback's hands as fast as possible. So you can limit the overall effect that a defense can kind of have. But also just, you know, watching the games and the broadcasts that especially Pat Summerall, John Madden put on Big Blue VCR recently just talked about this as well. 
the broadcasts that they put on and the information that they said, despite not there being a scoreboard always there, right? A scoreboard wasn't always there. Sometimes you didn't know what down it was because you really had to pay attention. And that's something that we take for granted right now. But the information that was present and the things that they talked about, you know, the the way that the broadcast team was able to chart things, it was almost like next-gen stats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the things that they were able to include in those broadcasts in the 80s and the 90s were phenomenal. Uh, and frankly, I mean, I, I'm going to argue, even though, you know, there's there's fancier graphics and sure, they can make uh, Daniel Jones look all jacked on like those Fox Sports creepy cartoons and characters. Sure, they can make them all jacked, but I think the overall product of the broadcast has gone down since like those time periods, even though it looked terrible, wasn't HD and, you know, the microphones were bad and everything like that. So um, that's all I've also really enjoyed going back and just enjoying watching the game. There you go. from a completely different perspective of what it was then to what it was now and the broadcast is also great too because I, I, I'm confident in saying there's what maybe one broadcast booth that I truly love listening to Michaels and Collinsworth and it's like it I you know Summerall and, and Madden were very early in my fandom so you know being at the the, the NFC championship game in 2000 I didn't get to hear that the call for that one. But then you had Man and Al Michaels for a while that we remember and everything, and um, just the completely different dynamic of how they had to call a game to what what they have now and the information available now and all these different nuances that they can pick out and and say something about. So uh, yes, that is a very cool dynamic that we learned about, and Big Blue VCR broke that down better than that was that was that was an impressive episode by him. Very yeah. impressive showing. Yeah. All right, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, before we get talking about our patriotic theme over this Bleeding Blue Talking Giants crossover, let's talk some DraftKings. Let's talk some McGregor Poirier McGregor Poirier 3. There you go. Good job, Justin. Um, Let's talk some DraftKings. So it's this weekend. McGregor Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264 on Saturday night in DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. They have a knockout offer this weekend. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. I don't know, McGregor's gotten knocked around a little bit. He, he kind of retired. Is he out of it? Is he in it for the money? Does he want to come out on fire and have a first-round knockout? Is McGregor going to gonna get his knock blocked off because he's been kind of just coasting and he has this big contract and anytime that McGregor fights, it's just an event? I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I want Connor to have the fire. I just want to see a good fight because I am certainly going to watch it, and I may even throw down some money with DraftKings Sportsbook. If the rubber match ends in a first-round knockout, you will walk away with cash. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win by first-round knockout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264-1 to odds on that fighter. That's right, $1. McGregor, Poirier, to win by first-round knockout, you win $264. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. Major League Baseball, the NBA Finals are going on, and football's coming up too. You know, start putting your bets in for football too. You know, for those, uh, you know, opening odds, Super Bowl odds, whatever, whatever. Daniel Jones is going to have 17,000 yards. Let's do it. Call to action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOMBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by a first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code JOMBOY to turn $1 into $264 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-TA. And now, back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, so I figure there's a little bit of a... We want to have a little bit of a patriotic theme this this episode. And I love this book. Love this book. Swear to God, if I could uh, if I could sleep next to this book every night, I would. If These Walls Could Talk by Ernie Paladino. How um, small is your bed? It's a very small bed, I guess. I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, a big I've, guy. I've, I've, see, I've seen it, but you could put a book I mean, next we, to it. We, yeah, I know. We've, we've, we've slept together before. What are you talking about? Oh! By the way, the uh, the Sopranos prequel movie dropped today. Uh, trailer dropped today. Anyway, go ahead, Justin. So we're going to have a little bit of a patriotic theme, especially this this the month of September. It's going to be an emotional month. 
it, it kind of is going to be uh, an emotional month. Now, Bobby, were you when how were you here in New Jersey when September 11th happened? No, I was here in Florida. I was in fourth grade. I, I really have never really, like, talked to New Yorkers about that day. Because, I mean, it it was crazy everywhere. Like, I remember it literally just, like, getting home from school and going through every channel. And every single channel was covering, whether it was Nickelodeon or, or MTV. You know, and I, and I have went back and looked at, like, the live broadcast now that I've gotten older. Um, like, and it... <laughs> I don't know if anything could ever happen like that to the country again, where people were to like, I remember the week after and like literally going and holding like, you know, like the, the country song, the Alan Jackson songs, like literally like went to a church and held hands with strangers. And it was a, like, even in the fourth grade, you kind of like felt like, wow, this is like, this isn't, you know, this isn't like your norm. Like this is, this is gonna big. And this is something that's going to be remembered forever. Yeah, that, that's Bobby. That's such a great point because I was in third grade and I remember. Um, so I live North Jersey, Bergen County, and you know the city's not far. The Twin Towers were not far from us, and our principal comes in the third grade and tells us what happens, um, and then literally goes, "Our country's under attack." And you know we're we're third graders, so it's like, do we are we processing exactly what's happening? Do we know? that terrorist just flew planes into the buildings. And then our third grade teacher starts just bawling, crying, calling like numerous family members. And then it finally hits you like, okay, this is, this is something crazy. Cause all of our parents came and took us out of school. Uh, we all went home except for, for me and another classmate. I don't know why my parents kept me in school, but regardless, it sucks kind of anyway, but it was, it was just such a, a surreal thing in that, that you learn more and more about later on as you went. And like Bobby said, nothing like that is probably ever going to happen again, but the significance of it and what the giants did. And I think Justin, you're about to bring this up. We talked about this when we honored coach fossil was, uh, was second to none and really went above and beyond to, with the efforts to heal New York city and and New Jersey area. And it was, and you know, the whole area for that matter in the country, and they were at the forefront of it, so that was very cool and uh, just a very surreal thing. And it's it's kind of crazy, and I'm sure you would bring it up too that we're we're opening up that weekend, the 20 year anniversary against the Broncos. Yep. And did we not play the Broncos the first game after? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that was done on purpose too. It had to have been right. Yeah. So it, we played the Broncos September 10th, 2001. Uh, right, right, right before. Um, yes, yes. And Ernie Paladino, he he dedicates a whole. It's the reason why I brought up yes. the book. He he dedicates a whole chapter to talking about 9/11. So he played the Broncos. We you know uh, uh, bad loss. I believe it was Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Um, not not a you know, not a great loss. And then the Giants actually come home. So the Giants come home from Newark Liberty International Airport. And United Flight 93 was sitting at the adjacent gate as the Giants were getting off the plane, which is bizarre. They, the Giants only learned that like weeks later. Dude, um, that's eerie. Yeah, right. I, I I can't imagine like being being one of those, you know, being a player, you know, or even just, you know, just, ex- just having that experience, like being like that flight that, you know, that flight that walked right past them as they were waiting to get onto that plane. Oh, um, that's so eerie. So... One of the things too that John Mara he he climbed up to the to the spiral um you know old you know old Giant Stadium they had the uh I don't know what you what what would there was the rings almost the rings yeah spiral um, stairs sp- yeah spiral, you guys want to call it a sterile uh, case but spiral spiral ramp or whatever ramp. It was. so he walked yeah, up to yeah. the spiral ramp the buck um and he was able to and he was able to like to see the smoke as it was happening so there's a there's a lot of reflections on. You know what people were doing that day, especially people that were in the building, because I think the team might have had off, but there were people in the building like Mara and Fossil and stuff like that. Um, and what Wellington Mara was doing, because Wellington Mara was still alive at this point, um, he was calling. Um, he was calling uh, the commissioner, uh, pa- Paul. I'm gonna get this. Taglebu. No, oh, there you go, Paul Taglebu. About we need to suspend games this Sunday, because actually, and this was bizarre. Uh, Pete Rosell, who was the commissioner of the league at the time that John F. Kennedy died. They played football 48 hours later. They had a whole weekend slate of games after John F. Kennedy died and was assassinated 48 hours later. So that was so that was shock. So John Merritt, you know, 
John Mara said, you still had families out there trying to find their loved ones. It was just too early to play. So I'm glad that the Maras and the Giants were kind of kind of leading that charge saying, hey, we should like, it makes sense to wait. So enough with the enough with the, the sadness of, of everything. So yeah. the Giants yeah. go to Kansas City the next week. They go to Arrowhead. Um, that's quite a start. It's quite a start to a season. You go to go to Den- you go to Denver on the road, and you go to Kansas City. It's kind of a start. two very difficult places to play. Yeah. They, so and that's a good point. Ernie Palladino brings it up. Regardless of whether the Kansas City Chiefs are winning or losing, Arrowhead Stadium, one of the loudest and toughest places to play any opponent they will ever walk into. It's a sea of red. But on September 23, 2001, Arrowhead Stadium turned blue when the NFL reopened for business in its first game. Back from the horrors of 9-11, the Giants were welcomed with an incredible and under any circumstances, ingronguous roar from the home crowd during pregame introductions. Ernie Palladino loves using big words. John Bon Jovi sang the national anthem as players and coaches wearing the caps of the NYPD, NYFD, and Port Authority. They sang along, some crying openly, and then here's Pal- Palladino. Oh, you know, you know, snacks. Palladino always has like these these little lines. Even some of the crusty press had tears in their eyes. <laughs> he's, he's, an, he's an asshole. He, uh, uh, very subliminal. Very, very subliminal. Very subliminal. Yes. You know, he, yes. he gives us subliminal digs. He does a lot of that. Always. TK yeah. in this book. For the first time since the towers fell, some sense, some felt sense of normalcy returned to the NFL. With the previous week's games canceled thanks to the uh, urgings of Wellington Mara, the Giants players had spent the idle weekend floating over to Ground Zero on police boats. They went originally intending to help in removing the unfathomable amount of debris that caused the pile, as the workers called it. All the recovery people wanted were handshakes, some football talk, something to distract them from their grim tasks. Nice to meet you, wide receiver Joe Jerevicious said to one of the dusting-covered diggers. You cost me money in my fantasy league, the fireman said. If you caught one of those passes from Kerry Collins through you Monday night, I would have won. Not his fault, the quarterback interjected. I should have thrown it farther out there. You're right, the fireman said. You should have. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> they were they were cool. BSing, BSing with each other. So um, even a great Camella, uh, it goes on kind of like later in the later in the later in the in the on the page. And it snacks a great Camella is kind of like a a, a fan a fan favorite of you. Yes, fa- family folktale hero. Last week was the first time I questioned what I did for a living, living what I contributed to society. But now I understand that I have a sense of purpose. We know entertainment is important so a lot of those guys you know a lot of those guys uh what i really enjoyed that um paladino broke down they were reflecting on like you know what what am i doing and what life. are we what are we doing yeah. they're reflecting on a, a lot of a lot of like life factors and you know going back to work and what i have to do is what needs to happen because even just being a football player and bringing that in entertainment it's it's, it's an important thing Relative to a lot of other things. No, you know what? It it really is. And um, those heroes that were that were in Ground Zero and saying, like, we, we want you guys to go play or talk football with us. You know, like bad days that we've all probably had or bad weeks. And it's like, okay, the Giants are on on Sunday. Those four hours, those three and a half hours, nothing else matters. Literally nothing else matters. So uh, the fact that 9-11 and that attack happened and... The Giants who have, I don't want to say the week off, the, the games obviously needed to be moved, are going down there and trying to help and give their efforts and time and, and whatever they can for firefighters and policemen and, and all these workers down there saying, listen, talk football with us. Go play football. That's what we want. That's it. Really, is is just, it, it puts a lot of things into perspective. So, like, hearing Jaravicious and Camilla talk about experiences like that is... Uh, it's very eye-opening. Yeah, and Kerry Collins kind of started a a pretty good lifelong relationship with like the fire department um, and things like that. So those guys really did take it to heart. And even Jim Fossil, which next we didn't talk about this. Jim Fossil's foundation raised more than one million dollars to help family of those killed, including the ten children of the late firefighter Frank Palumbo. Um, so his foundation, just over the course of many many years, raised millions and millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, continuing to help uh, families of you know those who lost loved ones, firefighters, families of firefighters who lost loved ones of during 9/11, and this is a quote, especially now, you know, knowing that you know Coach Fossil passed away, he had this quote towards the the, the end of this chapter by um, by Paladino. The, fa- the foundation eventually made the biggest single contribution, two hundred fifty thousand dollars to first responder groups. 
We're all here just for a certain period of time, and you never know when it's going to end, Fossil said. That day changed my life. So Jim Fossil really did some awesome things with uh, 9-11, and you know, we obviously you know, know Coach Fossil to be probably the most relatable Giants coach that we've had that we all kind of maybe grew up with. If you grew up in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, et cetera, most right. relatable Giants coach, and certainly he shows it right there. Yeah, for sure. It's a... Uh... You know, it's bad. It's bad on us. We didn't mention the foundation. Um, I know we did talk about how much him and his wife and family did for their 9/11 efforts. But um, I'm glad you brought up the foundation now and how much they raised, and uh, just hearing that that day changed his life. So, pretty amazing. I wonder pretty how amazing. many Giants fans who were involved in, the, like, you know, for the police department, the fire department, has that picture of all the Giants players in those white jerseys. Where you have like Fossil, Strahan, Tiki. Um, Jason Garrett's face is like center, like front it's and center, like right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, that one too, and it's like it's a young Jason Garrett at the time. I think even Jesse Palmer, like, like if, like if I was a firefighter or, or a police, you know, a police uh, man or woman during that time, like I would, ha- that would be like my main piece of Giants memorabilia. It would be that. Um, probably would. Try that was to get fossils. Too. That was no, fossils. No the question. main piece of yeah, we did, we did the memorabilia. Like yeah. that, that picture was in his trophy case, and you know there was a um. You know, NFL Films or whatever, they did some sort of little mini documentary on you know, the Giants in 9-11, NFL post-9-11, and they interviewed Garrett, and Garrett actually teared up, and he, like, got emotional. So I'm sure that picture is somewhere near Garrett's desk, too, and they all they all have that right there. So, yeah, that pic, that's a very famous picture. See, now, I, I know we're getting a little off track. I really do, though, relate the Yankees more to that than the Giants. I mean, because you got to think the Yankees were winning world. I mean, they had just won the Subway Series. In fact, what's crazy is they're they were playing the Diamondbacks that night when uh, when Bush threw out the first pitch. Like that is one that just like is burned in your memory. Like you know, Bush throwing it right over the plate. And again, that's like the peak of the Yankees out of any like any of our lifetimes. You know, because they weren't great through the eighties or whatever. Like like I was more of a baseball fan at that time than a football fan because how good the Yankees were. Yeah, and I mean they are they're in the Bronx. They're you know the Giants are in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And every 9-11, the anniversary, that's the first thing I always watch is that George Bush first pitch in the World Series. Like, unbelievable. And and to this day, it's still an unbelievable sports tragedy. They didn't wind up beating that team to win the World Series. But that's either here nor there. But I, I could see what you're saying. A little off topic, yeah, with the Yankees and... I mean, they were probably amazing too. Do we do we know off the top of anybody's head? I don't head think that's long? even just for Yankees fans. If you ask, like, no, 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 any, any that's person, baseball. Like, what's what sports moment do you relate to nine eleven? It's Piazza's George home Bush run. A Yankee lot of people Stadium. are going to say Piazza's home run's another good that's one. That's true. Yeah, yeah. that um, is true. But the like but the, the Yankees actually gave this. The, the Yankees actually gave New York City a chance to win that year. And 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 every, and I'm not not you know crap it on the Mets or anything, not doing a comparison. But yes, Piazza's home run's huge. The first thing I think of, and that is, that's a really good point, Bob. It, it was George Bush's first pitch, which was arguably the best first pitch in history, just at a pure strike level. <laughs> to lighten and, up the mood, if I ever get a first pitch, like some minor league you know, baseball teams, like, you know, the, the team in Syracuse is like, let's have the talking Giants guys out, throw a first pitch. I am curl hopping that ball into the stands. I'm getting on Sports Center if I do that. Why would you do that? Just oh, to just get, to get for on publicity. Center? It's gonna and it would just be funny. Like for, uh, true. What would true my story. friends talk about most? Me like, wow, dude, congrats on throwing a ball straight and over the plate. <laughs> Something we can yeah. all do. Or me curl hopping a ball into the stands. Well, true story. Uh, a few years ago, I threw out the first pitch at a Brooklyn Cyclones game. What'd you do? Threw it down the middle. No one's talked about it since. Exactly. <laughs> so you're if right. You yeah, had you're right. Curl hopped it. That video would I would share it on on Twitter like every other week. Or if I just like, literally turned around and threw it in the outfield that way, something something different. Yeah, Tre- Trevor Bauer it down. Oh yeah, that's psycho. That was a good moment. So yeah. Um, yeah. No. Well, that was a good 9/11 segment, uh, Justin. And I think we should get off that. Yeah. So Giants history. <laughs> That's listen, that's that's good no, history. I mean, I, that's I, a I bring, lot of history. I bring it up because, like I said, September is going to be an emotional month, and Good. I, you know, to, here we'll put a bow on it right now. You know, 
I went to school in Jersey City, you know, so I, you know, I was three years old. So I can't tell you a single day, single memory from the day of 9-11. But, you know, going to school in Jersey City and, you know, I worked in Jersey City for a little bit too. You know, the area means a lot. You know, being a, a, a person from New Jersey and being a person, you know, who's from the Tri-State area, that means a lot to me. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the Giants are going to do for, you know, whether it's pregame or maybe even some stuff throughout the week to kind of honor, remember, reflect. And I know, you know, the, uh, us as a nation, we're going to be doing that too. So we, what we do uh, on Bleeding Blue is we, we, we do a lot of that. We do a lot of, you know, storytelling um, going, but we haven't done it as much this offseason. That was very much what we did last offseason. We, we went back and we, and we told a lot of stories. Uh, this offseason has been a lot of segments. Um, actually, that's a lie. Uh, we're actually starting a new book, so it is going to be storytelling. The it's month true. of July is going to be storytelling. So if you like kind of that kind of style, that kind of flow, um, it's a little bit more conversational, so check out Bleeding Blue. It premieres every Monday, 6 p.m. on the Talking Giants YouTube channel. Um, every Monday morning, 5 a.m., if you're a podcast person, uh, that's when it's out. So um, check us out. Giants History Show. We have a, we have a lot of fun. Enjoy. It's a good show. It's good. All right. I think at least. Listen, I am really glad that Snacks is on this podcast because in a couple minutes, he's going to list the four most important things in his life. And the four most important things in Snacks' life is football, Giants football, family, breathing, and sex. Usually he doesn't throw the fourth thing in there, but he's throwing sex in there today. You're going to hear it in a couple minutes. I'm so glad that he's here because... Eventually, he's going to get a little bit older. He may struggle a little bit in the bedroom. And that is where our good friends at Roman come in. GetRoman.com slash world. And if you go to that site, you can get $15 off your first month, your first visit. So if you feel like maybe you're coming up a little bit short in the bedroom, nobody likes to come up a little short in the bedroom. That's okay. Go see our friends at Roman. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. You don't even have to get out. It's too hot. Whether you're in Florida, you're in New Jersey, it's too hot to leave your home. It's either too hot to leave your home or it's raining and it's pure and it's pouring. With Roma, you don't even need to leave your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare provider, they will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. We don't like to wait. We're Americans. We want everything right now. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Get started Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash world. Talk of Giants against the world. That's how you remember it. And complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without even leaving the comfort of your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash world. And now to get $15 off your first month, look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash world. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. I know Snacks is going to use this. He may even need it now. Who knows? He just maybe doesn't want to admit it on the air. But I know he's definitely going to need it eventually because he's already a very old man. All right. Now Snacks and Bobby are going to, Bobby are going to uh, shoot the shit just about the Giants. All right. So this is the part that was kind of fun last year where I kind of shut up. And I'm also struggling to talk right now because I've been talking for two hours. Um, Snacks? Yes. You don't really get a chance to give your thoughts on the current Giants. The Giants probably, are first of all, it's probably better that way. Yeah, it, so. it is probably better that way. Because um, especially, I think people are going to regret listening to the second half of this show. I don't think so. What's the list of priorities in your life, by the way? Giants, family, breathing. Giants, family, breathing. So, and uh, sex. Your and and there you go. So oh, sex is that a new fourth? That I means it's you know, Mount it's always been there, but I just don't like to say it out loud. So. You also have a Giants tattoo. I do. What's that tattoo? It says only a giant across my back. Only a giant for uh, in for the our... Giants formatting, like their old school letters. Yeah, the italics. I'm just you know I'm I'm a I'm a weird guy. Yeah. No, but you're, no, I'm, I'm building up that you are a six sadistic Giants fan. I, mean, that's, I am. That's yes. who you are. You yes. live you live and you breathe this football team. So um, you're also you're also you're on a fantasy football show that never gives you the chance to talk about your you give your thoughts about the current Giants. How much did you're, it bother you when there was like a few days where I kept on asking you fantasy football questions because you were annoying me? Well, because I I knew you were doing it to try and piss me off. Like I, <laughs> I, I I knew it. I wasn't stupid, and I I knew after like the Nets onslaught too. It was gonna it was gonna be, it was gonna be that. That's a whole another funny situation when. Um, <laughs> 
I went I, I went after all the nets after you know all the takes and whatnot. I had no, honestly you didn't really annoy me that much. It was the people like listen if you hate the net like I'm glad that you admit you hate the nets and don't be like oh no one cares. It's like you you hate them. Like admit, I hate them I, and I've told you that and I w- and and I wish more people would. What bothered me was the people trying to be like serious and being like they should have just battled through injuries. I'm like shut up like injury like. And I, I've repeated this take like 20 times now. Like, if the Suns win the finals, did they probably, would they probably have won it if without all these injuries? No. But at the same, but I don't take that away from them. Like, you have to stay healthy. But acting like the Nets were supposed to just battle through all these injuries and, like, look, the Nets are a failure because it's like, no, they, they got unlucky. James Harden, who's been completely durable, got injured. And Kyrie Irving, who's had injury issues, landed on someone's foot. That wasn't a you know a soft tissue it was a fluke. injury. It was, it was a, a yeah. Um, no, I know, I know. And and I I was literally I and I knew I was gonna do it that one night. Like if they lost, I would do it that night, and that was it. I think I sent one tweet out afterwards the night uh, the next day, but that was it. I was like, give their medicine. That's all. But no, I I was uh I wasn't annoyed at the fantasy football questions because they were just so utterly stupid, and I knew you didn't give a a damn. So I I knew it was just to get under my skin. And Justin's right. I I don't get a chance to talk about the current time, unless to you guys, because we are we're in a group chat together. So we kind of go back and forth a little bit. And um, Justin, I think I'm just gonna take it over real quick right here. Do it. Um, Give me your obviously, thoughts. Obviously, on Twitter, everybody sees me how miserable and negative I am. It's part of who I am because I am a miserable, negative person, and I haven't had much to cheer about lately many years now um but i try and reverse jinx everything that's just what i do however i think for the first time in six seven years i'm feeling pretty good about this team and it scares the ever-living piss out of me it scares me i love the direction they're heading in i like what they could do this year i think that secondary could easily be the best in football, and if you have a great secondary, the pass rushing that you may not have had before can generate some pressure just on coverage sacks. And they have guys that their second round pick. I'm going to botch his name, so I'm not even going to say it. Old Jalari, did I did I botch yeah, it? Yeah, good job. Look at that. I think that kid's a real player, and we were saying that on draft night, and how happy we were when we were live streaming. We picked up a third next year, and we got a guy that people projected us to pick at 11, and. I, I think he's a ball player. I think there's uh, Leonard Williams. If he can be what he was last year, that's huge. If Carter and and Zimenez can can produce something, that's great too. I I, I worry a little bit about the athleticism at linebacker. Which listen, I don't st- I I don't study I don't study him like you do. Um, I wouldn't call Blake Martinez the most athletic guy in the world. He's a ball player for sure, ball player. Maybe my only concern there, but the defense is going to be stout. And the second year under Patrick Graham with just about the same, same guys who, who did they, who missed Dalvin? That's about it, right? Like they didn't lose anybody that's that big. And they're adding a fully healthy McKinney, a Dory Jackson. If he's healthy, he's going to be cornerback two to James Bradbury, who was a top three cornerback last year. So that's unbelievable. It all boils down to, to me three things and obviously it starts with with Daniel who I have to come to you guys to find the strength in me to start believing in him um which you guys do a good job of by the way you got Jason Garrett who's the most anemic offensive coordinator maybe ever I you know I read Dan Duggan's article today with Dan Orlovsky who I hate uh sorry all about the motion and how the NFL nowadays you need to do all these different things and he just doesn't so I'm hopeful that that can change. And then, to me, I think I'm most excited about the offensive line. They seem to have a lot of confidence in it. And I'm at the I'm at the belief now, in year two, if Joe Judge has confidence in something, so do I. I'm afraid of That's, Matt Parrott. Matt Parrott's who you're afraid of. Ooh, who, should see, I, I can, who should I be more af- Jason Garrett and Matt Parrott are the two people that, that scare me. That they scare you the most. Yes. Okay. Matt so, Parrott can be really good, but that doesn't mean he's going to be good. You know? 
No, for sure. And he was the 99th pick in, you know, in the draft two years or last year. The most reps he played was 26. It was very, the team had zero preparation on him. He never really played an NFL snap besides one or two as like a, as a, like a jumbo tight end. Um, because Andrew Thomas had gotten, um, uh, suspended for the first quarter. That's right. That's right. Now see Pert. I actually, I have high hopes on Pert. Maybe that's I have high too hopes, but I'm scared. It, it's too hopeful. Yes. Like, I don't and think Shane Lemieux is ever going to be a really good, like, I don't think he has the potential to be really good. Matt Parrott has the potential to be really good, but Matt Parrott scares me more than Shane Lemieux. Cause one is like Shane Lemieux's screw ups at guard can be hidden a little more than right tackle. Right. Yeah, if you're getting beat at right tackle, then that's just a whole nother issue. Guard the guard position. I'm not going to sit here and try and talk offensive line. Well, especially you left guard, you could just run circles. away. <laughs> well, that you could do. So, but it is nice to have two foundational pieces on the line. And I'm a, I'm of the belief. I think Will Hernandez has it in him to be a solid guard. And I think maybe a change to right guard could help. I don't know. I don't know how you. I mean, I, I've heard it on, on, on the podcast before. I have hope for out. Will. He's never been challenged, really, in his life before. He's never had, like, this type of adversity. And this is it right now. This is Contract it. Contract year, got essentially benched last year. Yeah. Yeah, he had the COVID thing, and then it was like, okay, Lemieux comes in, and he's playing, and Will, you're forgotten about. And they had, they had offensive line, coaches changed, and now they have a new one who clearly you guys are high on, right? Slate from uh, Louisiana. Yeah, he seems to be like the real deal. Like Judge hires him, he's got to be pretty good. I have way too much confidence in Joe Judge, if you can't tell. Um, but they're young. They didn't. They didn't add too much to it. Like Nate Solder coming back. Okay, Bobby, would you rather have Nate Solder start or Matt Parrott start? Matt Parrott. If Nate Solder yeah. starts, is a disaster. That'd yes, be, because that means Matt Parrott okay. is horrible. Yeah, that that then we're much more doomed than we thought. Um, so, okay, so I'm glad we agree on that. I, I couldn't stomach Nate Solder starting at right tackle. Snacks, um, your your somewhat confidence and comfort in saying that you know you you think I'm I'm, I'm saying you're I don't think you're saying the Giants are going to win 15, you know 12 games this year. No, but you're confident in the direction of the team, and you can confidently say this that that makes me think that we're going to win two games this year. Correct. I was going to say three, but yeah. Um, I, I think they had a brilliant off season. I loved, you know, good teams, which the giants have not been good teams, manipulate the cap. They push money back to get good guy, good players in here. The giants needed good players and they got good players. I, Kenny Galladay, we all, we all sat here. We, we tweeted back and forth at each other. We talked in our group chat, like this is the guy we have to get Kenny Galladay. And they held him hostage for what? Like well, we four six days, months. man. Like, like it, on crazy. a Wednesday, it came out. Like Wednesday, it's like, all right, prepare. I put together a film breakdown, and it didn't happen until like Saturday night, basically. Crazy, crazy. And the fact that they got him was huge. And then Adore Jackson gets cut out of nowhere, and that guy has been a very productive cornerback for Tennessee when healthy. And if he can be healthy, that makes the secondary from a strength that it already was to an even bigger strength. And I love, I love putting strength on strength. Love it. And then you add a Kyle Rudolph. Could we ever? Could we score in the red zone last year? We, we couldn't score at all last year. Well, uh, yeah, well, that that is true. That was very good, guys. That was very. You should probably clip that. Um, that was very good. But we couldn't score anywhere. We definitely couldn't score in the red zone. Kyle Rudolph's got forty touchdown catches in the red zone. Like that is a, a perfect target for for Daniel Jones. Not to mention, I don't care what anybody says, where he was drafted, whatnot. You bring back Saquon Barkley. The offense has all the weapons right there. Dude, we just talked and, about the receiving. Like what Saquon did in one in one week of receiving versus Pittsburgh, the Giants never got close to having their running backs do that as a ridiculous. whole in a single game. Like ridiculous. I, I, I know there's arguments about the Saquon pick, but there is there is no denying that he is a game changer. And we really had no game changers on offense. Like their only game changer was essentially Daniel Jones throwing a perfect pass or running for 40, 50 or running yards, it, yeah. you know, plus. Right. Exactly. Like we had no, now, like, Think about our yak. Was there any play where Darius Slayton had a bunch of yak? Sterling no. Shepard? No. Golden Sterling State, the Shepherd, yak king? That's, Sterling Shepard, that's it. There was no other yak option. Caden Smith led our team in yak per catch. That's just, that can't happen at all. And I think Rudolph is a, a, an upgrade over Caden Smith, who I like. I like Caden Smith. I'm a Caden guy. 
I, I like I like Caden a lot too. It, Daniel's rookie year, he they had some nice little chemistry going. You you want to hope that Engram can start catching the ball because it really does piss me off how much of an athletic freak he can be over the middle against lo- slower linebackers and everything. If he could just run routes and catch the ball, it would be really really nice. But the offense, the weapons are there. The weapons are there, and I have this weird confidence in this offensive line with the coaching, with another year under their belts. That's my belief. That's my hope. I'm praying that if they come off to a slow start on offense again, Garrett has a short short leash. To me, I think that needs to be the case. I don't think you promote a Freddie Kitchens to not tight ends coach to whatever the hell his title is now. You bring in this young guy from, uh, I think, LSU they brought him in. He needs to have a short leash. And if and they have three three winnable games to start off this season. Yeah. If they're one and two and their offense is sputtering or they're zero and three, we're one he's and two. Gotta it go. is, oh my! It's it a disaster. Is, it's it a disaster. disaster. I mean, Snacks, What what has been our you know especially think of twenty nineteen you know when you know I had bleeding blue and you know our our big twenty nineteen August September theme you know and and the reason why I peer pressured you and I basically helped end a relationship to get you to go to that Vikings game oh, a relationship man. in your life I basically ended it. Pretty much, yeah. I, no offense, you started it, but I, I started. Anyway. Well, I, I I didn't start the relationship. I ended it. But why? Like, yeah. Why? What? Like, what was the overall theme of like what we wanted? We wanted to be competitive. We wanted to be in the dance. We wanted to be in the mix. Relevant football, like relevant at football least in October and November. You know, right? And we were, and that I, this was what I think it was October. We were two and was, two. We were two was, and two. It was relevant football. We were playing for first place. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not missing it. Yeah. And I, I missed a very big engagement party, all these things, blah, 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 blah. It's my ex-girlfriend now. Justin, way to go. You really ruined that one. Five-year relationship down the drain because of you. But anyway, it's true, though. Now I have expectations. I expect – I want an NFC's title. I, I don't think I'm going to be happy with that one, to be honest. I, I don't know, like, where would your expectations lie that you're like, okay, this was a good season? Well, Is it not – Dallas- NFC's title or – Wild card team, and it's like 2016, where it's like, yeah, we had we were a really good team, but Dallas went like 13 and three. Yeah, right. that's exactly what I was going to okay, say. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Now, no playoffs, I think, is a failure. Oh yes, no playoffs is a failure. Okay, all right, we're and, all on the same and, page, and, and it's a failure on the whole team. Whether you can point at one third, whether it's Jason Garrett or Dan, it's 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 a failure as an entire team if they don't. It's make a the unit. Playoffs. Yep, yep. I, I I could not agree more because. Like like last year, going into the season, I didn't really expect that much. We had a rookie head coach, a second-year quarterback, no training camp, nothing. And yes, the division was the worst that football's ever seen, but they were a Jalen Hurts benching away from hosting a playoff game. Now, God, you have so to expect— That would so obnoxious that week. And they would, they would have. I'm telling, I'm telling you right now that they would have beat Tampa. We would have beat Tampa. I really think we, I would have been We should have so beat them confident. the first time. I would have been—you know what's something that's really funny? That people will point out to me with Jason Garrett when they try to defend him, they're like, "Well, he opened the offense up that Tampa game, and Jones didn't get it done." It's like, you know what? You're right. Jones had his worst game, and guess what? It was still one of our best offensive games yeah. against a team yeah. that was Super Bowl a Super Bowl defense. We still had defense, like yeah. mid twenty points, which the highest points our offense scored all year with twenty seven when Jones played perfect versus Philly. So it's like yeah. even with Jones playing horrible in that game, we scored points that we didn't. In these other games where Jones didn't have mistakes. No, I it, it's so true. And and there was I think there was two plays where he had two like receivers running flies that he they should have thrown to. I'm not even like so mad about that. The, the interceptions only play were the dumbest interceptions he's oh, ever thrown. Dude, College they, uh, they or were NFL. so bad. They, and they were like and they were un wasn't even like if you're down eleven, like they were somewhere Fine. like like Eli has a lot of those. They yes. were like those like typical Eli interceptions. Where it was, it was like we were winning. trying to make it's something. Like, what, happen. what are you trying to make happen here? It's like, yeah, we're winning the game, and you're just kind of you're just throwing these like throwing. I had and never it, been more depressed after like a Giants game probably since then because how invested I am into like talking Giants, I was miserable. Yeah, and how much you how much stake you have in in Daniel Jones and um, to be proven. I also the two point conversion. You throw that ball just a second quicker. Then we're in over. Yeah, that's that's it's a walk thing. It's, it's like a we could have been in we're overtime. Playing in overtime. And you, and yeah, you, and he he double. He just he, he hesitated for it. half a second. That was and that was it. And I hated the oh, it was pass interference. Like oh, obviously yeah. in the moment, I'm, I'm going to turn the volume up for this. Uh oh. I don't know. 
Kim Serko. I, I, I like. Oh, I want to know if I'm going to these Falcons game. I got a oh, raffle. Okay, yeah, guys right. Raffle. So, Bobby, oh. Bobby's, uh, Bobby's, um, doing the LPG raffle. So that means we should wrap it up. Yeah, let's, let's wrap, wrap it up because I'm really invested. I really want to win this raffle. Well, right, re- so real quick, I, I'm I'm very impressed that we we didn't really yourself. disagree on much. This was this was this was good. This was good. I think we're in agreement on. I got to re-listen everything. to last year. I don't think. I think the only thing we really disagreed on was Shermer. Maybe I can't even remember. Probably, probably. I I mean we. I'm I'm the most ridiculous fan in the world, and we talk on the side, but we our beliefs and our uh, what do you call them? I don't know. They all align pretty much, and I think we're all in agreement here. So, guys, thank you very much for having me. I had a blast. All right, so go give a I usually podcast. All right, I'm leaving. Usually. All right, go ahead. Bye, Bobby. Good luck, Bobby. Nice to nice to nice to see you. Send me your audio. He's not going to send me the audio. Yeah, that's all right. All right. Um. So yeah, thanks for uh tuning in this week. Uh, go give Snacks a follow on Twitter at Snacks underscore BDGE. Usually podcasts do that. Corny podcasts do that. <laughs> Sorry if you're if you're listening to this and you have a podcast that does that. You're a little corny if you do that. Go give Snacks a follow on Twitter at Snacks underscore BDGE. Check out the YouTube channel Fade the Public because they do some fun stuff. If you like fantasy football, or even if you just like. They're, they're funny, and they do some, like, funny stuff. It's not yeah, just fantasy football. We have a comedy show, too, where we don't talk much sports, and we just talk life, and it's called Animal's House. Animal's so House, it's yes. A lot, it's a lot of fun. Um, well, we well, just... well done. Well, 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 well done edited. That's what I was about to say. Well, well done edited. It's very well done. It's fun, yes. So th- thank you for that shout-out, and I, I truly do love coming on Talking Giants. This is, like, my, uh, no, this is my, uh, my Mona Lisa of the year, so I hope it went well, and... Thank you, boys. Justin, again, congrats. I love you very much, and I'm very proud of you. Thank you, Snacks. So keep on bleeding blue. Now keep on talking giants, some might say. Mm. Um, so until next week, everybody have a great weekend. So I, I'm this weekend that, uh, you know, so ju- today is July 9th that you're listening to this, I believe. I believe that you're listening to this July 9th. So I'm going to Ocean City, Maryland in real time this weekend to have like a nice little four-day weekend. So... Until next week, let's go Big Blue.